Hi, I'm Michael Hutchins from Excess. Thank you very much for coming backstage with Access All Areas, okay? Hope you have a good time. Welcome to Inexos Access All Areas. My name is Bee and I will be co-hosting this series of podcasts with my Inexos nerd Hayden Murdoch. We will be delving deep with you all to explore everything there is to know about this iconic band of brothers in Excess, sharing music, tours, videos, albums and oh so much more. Hello, welcome to Inexcess Access All Areas, episode 101, the podcast that aims to dive deep into this legendary band, get them into the Rock Hall of Fame, and have an enjoyable ride with a like-minded bunch of community members, fans, and everybody who likes to join in. B, how are you? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Now, B, how many times did it take me to get that introduction right today? Oh, today, <laughs> yes. Um, I don't know, I lost count. <laughs> <laughs> Normally it flows pretty readily, but uh, maybe we're coming off Afterglow, B, pardon the pun, uh, episode 101 today. Uh, we've come off our 100th episode, which we must say thank you to all the thank yous. It was very, very joyous to hear a lot of people out there enjoy what we do, B. Absolutely wonderful. Thank you on all levels. Ella, thank you for the, the gift that she made of us. <laughs> There's Hayden <laughs> doing a bit of action. <laughs> it's quite fun. Um, and Carmen, oh, her beautiful words, and Mandy and Susan Purvis, and oh, the list goes on, and everybody's been so nice. I haven't danced like that since 1992, babe. Yeah, it was really nice, though. Thank you, everybody. You know, I, I, yeah. I, 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 I do blow my own trumpet a bit of saying, you know, we do put a lot of work into this, but we do put a fucking lot of hard work into us and we should should tell you um, that we do but we're also really yeah. grateful too so thank you thank you thank you mm. absolutely Kirk's, Kirk and Tim put the heat on we're wanting another 100 episodes so we shall deliver but um, yeah. I guess uh, within that uh, in your in excess sort of uh, you know uh, uh, processes there. We've got a lot of back episodes that people can go back and check out. If you've only jumped on recently, there are plenty of episodes you can go dive deep on. And the great thing about cataloging and itemizing and all the blurbs that are there, be people can sort of cherry pick which ones they like to listen to. You don't have to do it uh, in chronological order. Well, like we have uh, put together, you can go back and pick uh, periods so far. We're probably tracking at about 1992, 93 at the moment, aren't we, B? We've sort of might be a bit over. So no, we're about to start Full Moon Dirty Hearts next week. So that's 93. Oh, so I'm back to pleasure yeah, and pain again. Yeah, you are. <laughs> Always thinking about pleasure and pain. Uh, I am. But, uh, yeah, so, look, we're probably uh, halfway through what we would see as our journey uh, in terms of that. But mm. uh, all that aside, B, mm. coming into sort of this particular week, now we've got a couple of new patrons jumping on board, and one is a bit of a special one. It's a, a mate of mine from primary school and high school. Uh, so I want to say big shout-out to Scott Scott Burgess, who uh, grew up in my uh, primary school and then high school and neighbourhood, and uh, he has now since then shifted over to, well, he, he first went to upstate New York uh, with the family for work commitments and things up in uh, Albany, which is the actual capital of New York City, uh, sorry, New York State, mm-hmm. I should say. Uh, and then in the last 12 months, he's moved over to LA. And as you know, B, he, uh, I think, put some flowers, is that right, at 
Michael's Gray, yeah, uh, which is a lovely yeah. touch. And he's uh, been a, a latest sort of join joiner to our podcast, uh, part of the Gold Package. Is that right? Um, Scott's been tracking and following the podcast and um, from for a while now, so it's really nice that you've come on board. And he's come on board in the same week as a new lady called yes. Jenny, Jenny Hall. And Jenny um, has entered the competition, and we will be drawing that later on this afternoon. But we have been inundated with, with Jenny correspondence, and it's Jenny with an I, not Jenny with a Y. Is that right, V? Yeah, Jenny. I always think of, what's it, um, Gen- Forrest Gump when I think of Jenny. Oh, Jenny it? and Pete. I think of Jenny from the block. Are you Jenny the block? <laughs> I know. I think me and Jenny. Me and Jenny are like peas and carrots. One of the worst lyrics all time, uh, I'm still Jenny from the block. Yeah, I'm not buying I that, J-Lo. I think so. Yeah, I think Jenny, <laughs> Jenny jumped the shark into sort of diva, divahood many years ago. While we're here and we're talking Hollywood, the right. slap. Let's talk about the slap, Aiden. Well, I did have it in the news section, your... but yeah, we, yeah, I'm okay. Well, we had it in the news section, but you know what? I can't wait either. I think give no. me your give me your take on it first, B, and I'll give you my take. Okay, because everyone's pretty divided on it, isn't it? Now, yeah. Uh, did, you, if, did you if, listen to Jim Carrey? I did. Yes. What a great guy. Said yeah. everything I'd want to say. Yeah. <laughs> For those who uh, have lived on Mars in the last seven days, just explain a recap what exactly happened. This was the Oscars, and this was um, a little fracas on, on live TV between Will Smith and Chris Rock. It yep. was shocking, very yep. shocking. And all I can say is if that happens... On live TV, what happens behind closed doors? Well, in the instances of this sort of situation there, uh, I was driving last week to get a pie for lunch and uh, they'd had something on the radio about it and then I was like, you know, go to Twitter and found out and then they said, oh, we're going to go live to Will Smith's acceptance speech mm-hmm. and see what he has to say. So it all sort of happened within a very quick period of time. But the, the hypocrisy of Hollywood, who are all about peace, love oh. and understanding and progressive this and, and, and you know, uh, love your fellow man, all this stuff, and then to sort of get, I guess, for the want of a better phrase, get bitch slapped. Chris Rock was a class act, not responding Absolutely. and just standing there. Mm. And uh, Will Smith, I guess, has got form in this area there in terms of just sort of being Mr. Nice Guy, you know, supposedly up front and then privately being a bit of a dickhead. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the reality is I just would be interested to know, you know, if imagine, what if it was, say, a white guy? Who oh, went up and Chris said Rock. that. Oh, what if I said it, exactly What if it was a uh, you know uh, you know a different sort of set of circumstances at play? We'd but, have a we'd have a bit of a war on our hands again. Yeah, we? and and again, not trying to sort of put it into sort of those contexts, but you know the the, the defence of a lot of Chris uh, well Chris uh, Will Smith in terms of being able to, you know get a standing ovation five ten minutes later. Uh, I just don't think that if it was Mel Gibson who did that, that would have happened, et cetera. There. Well, you know? I, I saw something else. It's all those what ifs. What if it had been The Rock that had said that joke? <laughs> would Will Smith have gone up and punched him? In the chest because he wouldn't look, have been able look to on the scale of the, the scale of uh, taste and stuff like that. I mean, the reality is we've seen the camera angles. You know, Will Smith laughed. It was only when Jada. Picket, you know, uh, the two-timer who, mm. who whatever there, uh, decided to take offence. That's only when he took offence. And like mm. a lot of people, they do laugh at jokes and suddenly go, oh, I don't know, my progressiveness means mm. I have to suddenly react and be woke. Mm. Mm. Um, I think Ricky Gervais said it the best. He said, I wouldn't have made a joke about her hair. I would have made a I joke know. about Jada Pickett's uh, <laughs> uh, lover because uh, that's where the real humour is. Boyfriend. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's right, some little and young I rapper. I said this to my young 13-year-old son and he says, yeah, it's um, it's his son. It's his son's mate. I yeah. went, what is it? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. 
Oh well, God. yeah, that's right. So, at the end of the day, it's just another set of hypocrisies there. Such a that's a shame, uh, though. Yeah. Hey, you know, he's made yeah. all these good movies, and um, you know, he's just he's, he's always coming out with all these insightful things, and then now he's going to be known for the slap. Really, well, I don't know if he's got generation, that generation, not to yeah. our generation, maybe always, to a generation. I've always found him to be just. Just I've never bought into his sort of persona. You know, there's been more flops than I think been great movies. I mean, he knocked back Django Unchained. Mm -hmm. Jamie Foxx took the role because um, this is what he said and what was told. He said to Tarantino, I said, look, yeah, it's too much of a supporting role. I want to be the main guy. Now, if you watch if you watch Django Unchained, you know, Jamie Foxx is pretty significant in that movie. The story's all based around him. Mm -hmm. um, so he knocked back Quentin on that one. And, I don't know, the Bad Boys is not exactly, uh, you know, uh, insightful material. You know, I, I think the only film, couple of films that he seemingly had, you know, quite a lot of success in terms of critical success was um, Ali, uh, maybe The Pursuit yeah, of Happiness. Good. Hmm. Uh, and then the concussion movie. I think those movies weren't too bad. Or maybe Six Degrees of Separation. Men in Black was fun. Yeah, I didn't. I like the pug. Um, but I look, like the pug too. Yeah. Uh, can, can we can we move on after I've said we this? We can. We can. <laughs> oh, right, okay. Say it then, yes. <laughs> so I was on Twitter and I was looking at everyone's comments and then someone put in, look at this, and it was of Will Smith back in the 80s doing an alopecia joke on somebody that was in the room. <gasps> oh, wow. Put it, on our, put it on our socials. Anyway, let's move along. Okay, mm -hmm. we are also wanting to – I'm going to do a quick little fan engagement shout-out. I'm going to do a quick shout-out to – Well, I am. It's, 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 it's not so much a fan engagement. He's probably not a fan of us, but he, he's very helpful. Uh, uh, MM, okay, uh, he's been <laughs> – He's, he's put a lot of a lot of material out there, and uh, like I like like to do is I like to plagiarize all of his great stuff and whack it into our own socials. Uh, but he's got more knowledge than anyone on the excess on this planet. So uh, MM's put a lot of great material out this last seven days on elegantly wasted the last twenty five years, etc. There, uh, which is great, and uh, I want to give him a bit of a shout out for that. And there'll be a little snippet coming up later in the news and the and also in the closeout today. Uh, so I thought we would just do that too, B. But we have to jump back to patrons because we've got to mention all the valuable ones who are here every week. So over to you. I'd like to say hello to everybody outside on the highway. Let's all say hello to everybody outside. It's about 10,000 people at least. Hello. Hello to our honorary members, Nick Egan, Mark Opitz, Cameron Adams, Mary Woods, and the gorgeous Darren Jones. Our patrons, Sue D, Joe Robbins, Carmen, Laurie, Carrie-Anne, Danielle, Sarah Markham, Sarah Camia, Dr. Jim, Katie, Lisa Mack, Lisa Calloway, Anne-Marie, Susan P, Susan B, Foxy, Pedro, Mandy, Matt, Linda, Yvonne, Caroline, Amanda H, Amanda V, Leon, David, Tracy, Paul Jolie, Paul Boozy, Paul Bridges, Paul Buckley, Sandrine, Ella, Ryder, Tony, Erica, happy birthday, Abigail, Martin, Stefan, Val, Jim, Matey, Kelly, John, Jackie, Sean, Sheila, Shannon, Helen, Brett, Suzanne, Glenn, Laurel, Bard, Genevieve, Shelby, Manny, Laurie Tasselman, happy birthday to you, Jill, Matthew, Leos, Lily, Jamie, Heidi, Paula, Lisa, Angie, Michael, Nancy, Juliet, and our new patrons, Jenny and Scott. Welcome to the podcast. Oh, we're lost, we're found, we're found together. We're 
part two today, B, of our deep dive with Darren Jones. We're very excited to have a lot more material to uh, ask of Darren. And we, uh, I think, had a lot of you know really great feedback from the, the chat last week. And uh, Darren really sort of came to the table with um, some great memories, some great insights and some great stories. And we've got a lot more we want to flesh out today. So looking forward to that one in our topic, B. All right. Now, what's the time for? Time for the news. This is Manny from the UK, and here is the news. Now, B, we start off with the charts. I have some fantastic news this week, B. Okay, go, okay. go. Okay. All right, hang back. on. Shall I, shall I guess a number? We'll do a bit of a drum roll. Right. Okay, they are back in the charts. Now, they did balloon out to number 60, but they have come back in at number? 48. 49. Oh, so close. So, scraping into the top 50, but it is a uh, little resurgence. So, keep that's uh, great. Yeah, so it's not lost uh, in the ether. It has made a little bit of a return. Well, I think Laurie's put something into the newsletter about that. So, if anybody's subscribed to the newsletter, you'll read a bit more about that. Fantastic. Now, we're talking to talk mm-hmm. about gigs now, B. Uh, we can't go into anything about gigs unless we get a bit of a, a mini review of your gig attendance last week. You went to a pseudo in excess gig. Uh, you did go to finally, and I say finally, see John Stevens with the gang. Let me ask you, how was it? Where was it? And what did you enjoy the most? What did I enjoy the most? Well, I'm not going to tell you that bit. <laughs> no, I'm joking. No, it was really good. I want to say hello to everybody that I met. I'm sorry I could not hear you at all because I was so close um, to the speakers. It was more of that mouth in action. Yes, in excess, look at my band. They were brilliant. They are absolutely brilliant. Did you realise, I never knew this, that um, John Stevens' manager is actually in the band. He's actually the guitarist, the rhythm guitarist at the back, who is spectacular. And I did see on the socials that he's got a brother too, and him and John and um, I don't know what their names are, got to find out, were um, all together a couple of days ago doing something as well. So very, very talented young men up there. When you said um, a brother, are you talking about the guitarist? You're talking about John's other brother? The guitarist other brother? Had a, right. has a brother, yeah. yeah. Um, they look like um, Maori guys as well. well John, John yeah. is, does come from a family, brothers, sisters of about 10 or 11. So oh, okay. you never know. Might be some family know. love in there. Yeah. I never know. But um, I want to say hello to the guitarist with the bright blonde hair called Tim. He was, loved his guitar. He got one of those metal guitars. It was brilliant. Yeah. But they where did you see them at? Whereabouts? I saw them at Coffs Harbour CX Club, which is a fantastic venue. I thought you mentioned the, the sex club in Coffs Harbour. I know. There, it's really hard <laughs> to actually say it's called the Really C- hard. You're digging X a hole here. Club. <laughs> Stop it. The CX EX Club. Yeah, the, the roof's really low and you are right up against the stage. Like it was like every other song was in excess or it was, you know, they, they just mixed it up really well. But there was some really good takes. What you need was brilliant, really funky, really, really funky. And that you could tell that they were enjoying playing it as well. It was great. Yeah, but you are not one to be a shrinking violet. After the gig, did you hang back? Did you try navigate through the crowd to get access to him? Did you get a chance to invite him onto the podcast? I didn't, unfortunately. No, I, I've got a connection in there and something might be happening oh. this way. Um, okay. But, yeah, um, I, I, no. Um, that is due to COVID, just okay. no meet or greet. 
Right, okay. Well, another bit of news regarding John as well. He, during last week, uh, as uh, many of our listeners around the world may have seen, uh, him and the band were part of the Shane Warne uh, Memoriam uh, mm. uh, celebration or memoriam of his life at the famous MCG Stadium where over 55, I think 60,000 people turned up, not to a sporting event, uh, not to a concert per se, but to uh, a celebration of Shane's life. And John and the band, plus one other act, were the only sort of two major live acts there that night. Mm-hmm. I know Elton John and Ed Sheeran and Robbie Williams and uh, Chris Martin from Coldplay, they all um, doled in songs via video link. Mm-hmm. John and the band got up and did Never Tear Us Apart. Uh, got great reviews on the radio for that and uh, it was good seeing them, I guess, in a very busy week, B. They must have been everywhere, Coffs Harbour, the MCG, everywhere. Yesterday he was with the guy out of Eskimo Joe. Um, what's his name? Uh, Kev or Cav? Yeah, Cav. Uh, so John Ross? Yeah, John was. So I don't okay. know what they were doing. So I wonder okay. some some lucky people might be seeing them gigging together soon as well. Okay. But yeah, he did a little thing for, for Warney that was um, heartfelt and yes. also mentioned, you know, men looking after their health um, mentally and physically. So yes, was, well, I, you know, one of the, the very, very small takeouts of unfortunately Shane passing is that apparently uh, men's health and people uh, of a certain age getting their hearts checked out uh, has gone up by something like 200%, um, um, far more successful than any other campaign they've ever tried to do. So a great uh, legacy for Warney there. All right, moving along a little bit with some gigs. Uh, big shout out to Andrew Farris. He was playing at the Tin Pan South uh, Southwest Festival, I think in Nashville uh, uh, vicinity last week, and had a great time. And um, uh, you can only go on, well, you can go into his socials to see where he is and what he's doing. Seems like he's having a great time in post lockdown back in the US mm-hmm. uh, with Marlena yes, and gang. Yes. Also, too, his postponed gig from uh, the Tamworth Country Festival that was in sort of January, early February has actually now been moved to April 23rd. So if you are in the Tamworth area there, that gig uh, is going to be uh, restored to a new date on April 23rd, which is only a couple of weeks away at the time of recording, B. Okay. Also, to a quick little shout-out to the New Sensation boys over in Perth, uh, June 11th at the affectionately known as the place called The Milk Bar, uh, which is the Civic Hotel, a room in the Civic Hotel there. They're going to be playing uh, their gig there, uh, which obviously heightens their competitiveness against the What You Need boys from Perth, B. <laughs> so that's uh, some of the gig stuff that's sort of going around. And as I said a little bit earlier, a bit of a shout out to MM for some of the material there. Um, it is 25, uh, 25 years since the uh, launch of Elegantly Waste as an album. And doing a little bit of research uh, through Matthew's research, I should say, is that they launched that album in Brussels in Belgium B, on April the 4th, which is literally 25 years uh, this week. It was interesting, Matthew said in his little blurb that we've sort of shared on our uh, patron page that uh, the band were, were, I think, mindful that with all the stuff Michael had gone through in the UK, that they didn't want to do it with all the tabloid press yeah. there in London. So they did it in Europe and the band's sort of success in Europe was pretty big in the 90s. So mm. uh, Brussels was the place to do it where journos could fly in and out, B. Yeah, uh, uh, there's some footage, isn't there? It's yes. in a, like a little cafe area. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, mm-hmm. so we may be able to post some of that stuff yeah. or we can get onto YouTube and have a look. A couple of little sort of tidbits, B. There is an article that got sort of re- repurposed and things like that, but it, it's probably from 10 years ago. Uh, I love the heading. It's Michael, not Mick. 
Uh, and it's an Andrew Farris sort of deep dive into Michael around the, the time of the 25th anniversary of the kick reissue in 2012. Uh, it has been sort of repurposed out in a, a, a publication called Magnet Mags, and it's not a pornographic magazine, B. Okay, Magnet Mags. Okay. Uh, so Andrew Farris. For, uh, just in case. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> the, the field fiction. <laughs> So, but yeah, it's always good to sometimes find these little articles that sometimes get a repurpose or a relaunch and things. Also, too, a couple of little bits. Timmy Farris, we love Timmy, but he had a little bit of a, uh, well, not a little bit, he had a massive issue with all the floods around his area and unfortunately lost some memorabilia, B. Mm. Uh, I know he well, mentioned Well, don't that. you remember when we were talking to him and he says he's got we no were. floor? He was actually yeah. talking to us and there was no floor in the studio. I know, studio. it was literally happening as yeah. he came in for the warning thing. Yeah. But uh, I think he did make some mentions out in some of the publications in Sydney about how they've got to really cr- try to create some more flood prevention and some yes. supports for that community because a lot of people suffered. Um, yeah. And I know there's a lot of clippings from the early days from his family that uh, unfortunately got destroyed. Yeah. So we hope that the, the better part of his uh, collection has remained sound. But, yeah, Timmy, uh, you know, was literally pushing the extra mile that night, wasn't he? The house is flooding, but he got onto the call with us. So uh, there's only some like Tim Wood, uh, which is great. Now, we talked about the hypocrisy of the Academy Awards. Uh, B, I'm going to uh, share some names with you here. I'm going to see if you can know what the theme is here, okay? Mm-hmm. Here we go. We're going to go the Beach Boys, Diana Ross, Jimi Hendrix, Queen, Run DMC, Janis Joplin, Oasis, um, Bob Marley, Sia, The Ramones, Kiss, Guns N' Roses, Depeche Mode, The Who, Sammy Davis Jr. and Patsy Cline. What do they all have in common? Um, they've, uh, they've all made an album. <laughs> <laughs> well, gee, you're going to live there. They, they, they all have not won a Grammy Award. No. That's really? correct. Bob Marley's the only one out of those who has, but after he died, it was a posthumous one. Yeah. Right? So all of those people have been stubbed by the Grammys. At the time recording today, the Grammys have been announced. And let me just say that up there with the Academy Awards, this is an institution that's really fallen by the wayside mm-hmm. where it's all about, you know, pomp and ceremony and virtue signalling and really crappy recordings and more categories there than they have probably in the game of categories. I mean, best choral performance by an R&B actor in a supporting role with electronica and dance uh, – with the duo pop, I mean, some of these. If you want to have a laugh, look at the uh, the, the the amount of uh, categories they've got at these Grammys, and it's just really, uh, you know, pardon the pun, but it's really just a shit show. So nothing great to add about the Grammys, other than the fact that uh, they're on today. There's a lot of good stock missing. Absolutely, absolutely. So, B, that's the news this week. Quite chock full. Hey, this is Tim Farris. Well done, Hayden and B. You've made my brothers and I very proud of what you've achieved so far. A big hello to all your listeners and NXS fans. Hi, this is Felicia from Everett, Washington, USA. You're listening to NXS Access All Areas with Hayden and B, and it's time for the topic of the week. It then took eight years to essentially record and release an album and go with some sort of direction. Now, John Stevens got involved. Uh, Dave Edwards was involved during this period. You had involvement with the band during this period. Just from the listener's point of view, you know, the band did the Just For yep. Kicks tour. They did a few things with Tim Rice. They were really yep. easing their way into it. What was your witness, eyewitness account of this period for you looking on and chatting to the band at that time? I guess it's... Uh... It's hard to talk about. It's, I think there was a few ideas being flouted around at the time. And I guess um, for them, uh, 
you know, John Stevens, or you can talk about uh, J.D. Fortune or Kieran Gribben, any one of them, they were always, I think, worried about the comparisons that it was going to draw to Michael constantly. Um, I think one of the ideas I believe might have been Andrews and and then obviously discussed uh, as a band was the idea of uh, presenting a female lead singer um, to try and take that mm. focus of comparison away um, to, mm-hmm. to Michael. Mm. And that was only really touched yeah. on once when we were in Adelaide for a New Year's Eve gig at the Le Mans and Taxi Ride supported. It was actually the only time yeah. the elegantly wasted set was ever used in Australia. Was that where uh, also I yeah. think uh, Susie DeMarge Yeah, and I think that's, that was the testing ground for that idea was, was Susie to – she came out mm-hmm. and shared and, and did a, oh, maybe four songs, I think, with John. Mm-hmm. And if mm-hmm. I'm perfectly honest, um, I don't think went very well. I didn't yeah. really like her vocal style. I love Susie DeMarge. She's wonderful and sings in – her own way, the baby animal stuff and that, but she really struggled with the octave range that Michael had and just couldn't do it. So I think that yeah. one little experience and experiment, it really was never discussed or even pushed after that one gig. That was it. Yeah. Okay. So um, yeah. I think John Stevens was something very, very good for the boys. Yeah. I was very sad that that, that didn't eventuate into an album. Um, I know there was that one single I get up, but um, yeah, it's real sad. He's John's a great guy. Stuff you know they did hungry and they did I think a song yeah. called Sugar and a few different things and they they they, they yep. did some good tours in South America and American things but I think you know I do remember and you know I'll be honest I remember when John decided to, to mm. go his own way in 2003 yeah. you know there was an element of discontent he was like well I want to record and grow and the band seemed to want to just keep re-releasing mm. greatest hits and he he then thereafter released some solo stuff etc there and he was. There was a bit of a – I think there was a yep. falling out a bit. That obviously got repaired quite quick, but what was your yeah, take I on that? Yeah, I think you're right. Um, I think maybe at the end of the day, sitting around the same table, they couldn't come to an agreement which made everybody happy. And I don't think there was any animosity. There was no uh, great fight or anything like that. And, you know, you often see online Andrew and John, you know, promoting each other's live stuff and that, that yeah. John still does in excess material on tour and – John's a great guy. Um, we had a lot of fun with John when he came on board and, and and took the piss a little bit when he came on stage for those first two gigs. And <laughs> I don't know whose idea it was, whether it was Matthews or mine or or Albie or someone. But uh, you know, coming out of the Mercury Lounge, the two things from that gig I remember is that the, the place was so far over capacity, it's just ridiculous. I remember the venue at the casino and the bosses just pulling the hair out, going, "You, you cannot put fourteen hundred people into a space that's meant for six hundred. But we did, Whoa. and um, we couldn't move. <laughs> and I guess I mean I have to dig up the photos. Um, 
and put a bit of a gallery to get a few guys. But, uh, you know, John came out on stage and effectively had an L plate strapped to his microphone stand. <laughs> and, and you'll see, if you, if you see the Metro show, which I think is actually on YouTube, I can't remember now, but there might be snippets of that on YouTube. I'll have to check. But by the time we got to Sydney and he was coming out of Metro for his second show, we, we gave him his licence and we converted him to P plates by then. Um, and the rest <laughs> is sort of history. So, yeah, now John, John's a really good fellow. Tell us about the touring. I mean, you, I, I know from chatting to you last week, you had uh, literally been in the, in the car on long trips up the coast with the band on different sort of occasions and things. What was your involvement with that? Was it capturing sort of, you know, yeah. content and things for the website and all those type of sort of platforms? Yeah, essentially. Like the Tim Rice tour, basically, um, you're looking after a list of tour dates on a website and uh, you're making sure basically after every gig and date that's, that's done, have the content ready. Uh, to digitise and upload so that after every show there was a gallery for uh, people to click onto. So if you're in America and the guys were in Adelaide um, doing the Tim Rice show that night, effectively the next day you made sure available was a photo gallery so that people over there could see what mm. the guys were doing. And- Wow. Yeah. And it's so funny, isn't it? Now, like, you know, we talk about the next day. That was so mm. quick then. Nowadays, it's like the next 15 yeah. minutes. I mean, but, you know, that, that ability, I guess, to turn content into sort of digital images within 24 hours was, was, yeah. was really I, I remember the cameras were bulky, camera bags, rolls of film, you know, and basically in the middle of the tournament, I think Matthew and I were at a shopping centre uh, on the Just for Kicks tour and I had a roll of film from the Tari show and, you know, you sort of got half a day off and into the shopping centre can you please process these in an hour? And, and you get them <laughs> yeah. back in a packet an hour later and then, okay, well, what are the good ones? Good ones. And then you sit there with a scanner <laughs> yeah. and scan them as JPEGs you know, so, and got away with it that way. Yes. Yeah. 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 No filters yeah. then, hey? No, not at all. <laughs> listeners would love to get a, a feeling we always say this to those who know the band and again we're not interested in in, uh, in any sort of uh, tawdry details uh, B will ask you that offline um, yes. but uh, in terms of <laughs> in terms of the, just knowing each member of the band have you got an anecdote about each band member or something that you could sort of share with the listeners about the band a little bit uh, that you know I can still see you beaming and the respect you have for them this to yeah. this day so I'm sure there's some warm stories or anecdotes yeah. you might better share I mean I'm not the only one everyone around the world that, that loves these guys and loves the music and the legacy, they will have always impacted you at some point in your life. And I guarantee they've done that to you, Hayden, and they've done that to you, B, on a number of occasions. You can pinpoint certain moments in your life that you've lent on a song or an album to get you through a period. Um, I've done it, yeah, lost count of how many times I've done that through my life, just through their music. So it's humbling, and I, I thank them every day I can for, for what they gave me uh, and how they influenced my direction in general life as a band, right. as a you know, as a group. But if you were then to break them down individually, you know, obviously they're all vastly different individuals. But I respect and love them for for one common reason, and that is they're all just very down to earth, approachable, kind, loving men. That they share those mm. basic common traits, and I think that's where they capture through through. Uh, just being who they are and being themselves and not trying to pretend to be some 
yeah. bunch of you know rock gods they, they capture that we've been very fortunate to have Tim sorry to interrupt but we're very fortunate to have Tim Kirk and Andrew on and um, the two we haven't got yet which we are keen to get is Gary and John so maybe we could just throw in your direction shed a bit of a light on each of those two uh, John and I have had some great times I love John I think he's this amazing amazing man I, I remember when he and Kerry got together and first started seeing each other it's great I just laugh at some of the stories that I go through my head some days I'm sitting in the car and you know, I mean, we are in uh, Jindabyne doing those two shows at the Station Resort with John Stevens, And um, I think after the first night, they had a few beers or schnapps or something. I don't know. We basically drank the Station Resort dry in two days. But um, back at John's hotel room, I remember meeting him in the kitchen, getting out all the saucepans and making a saucepan drum kit. And it's just, it's like <laughs> two in the morning and we're just sort of, he's playing drums on the saucepans. And next thing there's a, a knock at the door. Um, and there's these two loud. girls from next door. And John's answered, I'm standing behind here. I'm going, oh, shit, now we're in trouble. And they're like, oh, please, can you keep it down? Stop with the drumming. It's two o'clock. And John's like, oh, we're really sorry. We just went and saw in excess at the station resort. That was so good. <laughs> uh, and they didn't have a clue who the bloke was, you know. <laughs> and everyone's just started you know, crying and laughing. And He's got a very wicked sense yeah. of humour because he did something similar with Simon at his wedding. Do you remember when the photographer yes. said the, the photographer was taking photos of the day and John was the best man? And he was in an excess fan. And he says, I've got to say it, but you really look like John out of in excess. And he goes, yeah, I get that a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's looking well. Yeah, he looks Following great. Following on Instagram and stuff. Mm. He looks looks fantastic. So he's had a sort of, I guess, you know, in some respects, a little bit of a, a lifestyle change, and he's he's gone rural, and he's yeah. he's up in sort of, I guess, uh, you know, the Byron region there, mm. where he's obviously been campaigning a little bit sort of for the anti-vaccination yep. sort of it's stuff. It's a healthy and, lifestyle um, up there, without a doubt. Yeah. 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 Tell us a bit about Gary. Um, Gary's is is probably cops the bum steer a little bit yeah. because you know he's not out there as Tim is, and from Mark Opert's point of view, he said you know Gary's the type of guy that is such a great musician, especially with the the timing, the computer. Mm. The note chords and things. Yeah, yeah, he's like the human computer there. But yeah. what's your sort of memories of, of dealing with Gary a little bit sort of yeah. uh, as, a, as a guy? Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say Gary was quieter or anything like that. I think. No, probably quieter in the sense the less gets talked about yeah. him, I guess. Yeah, he, he goes to the yeah. back of the room more than the front of the room, doesn't yeah. he? He's still one of the funniest bastards, though. Like, yeah, I he's, he's a very funny dude. Yeah. Very easygoing. Go with the flow. You know, I, I that just for kicks too. At the end of it, I end up uh, having to borrow my girlfriend's Daihatsu Charade, this little piece of crap patch that I can barely fit into. And I think we left Tari and he had to get back to uh, Mangrove Mountain, obviously, earlier than the rest of the band. And once the tour had finished up at um, Mingara, he just jumped in my charade and put his feet up on the dash and sort of went to sleep. And we just chatted for a few hours, I think, listening to some crap Coldplay album. On a, on a cassette, you know. So, well, <laughs> well just, you mentioned an interesting name there, Mangrove. That was the name of well, the town, I guess, where he had his studio, which bands yep. like, I guess, Silverchair yep. and recorded. And I think he had a side project called Mudhead. Is that right? Yeah. With uh, Jack Jones? That's right, Mudhead. I think. Yeah, I got one of the yeah. original promo CDs from Mudhead 
somewhere yeah, in a draw. Yeah, Australasian yeah. listeners to this podcast would know there's a band called Southern Sons and the leading was Jack Jones, although that was his pseudonym for another mm. name. But He's just returned to Australia. Oh, in America for something like 10 or 12 yeah. years. He's just come home last year or something. Well, I mean, in Southern Sons, Virgil Donati, the drummer, he was a great drummer. He's yeah. obviously done well overseas there and things. But, but Mangrove seemed to be quite a, a great creation by Gary, didn't it? You yeah. know, a lot of big bands go there to record. I think yeah, they did. recorded there and different things. Yeah, 100%. Um, uh, I think something for Kate. Uh, recorded yep. there isn't that sort of late 90s early to, to yep. late two, 2000s he, yeah. he had that as a yeah. quite a state yeah. of the art technology for, for recording and, and he was very good about not overcharging and it was very pro bono almost wasn't it yeah he was very focused on the technical side of it and and making sure that studio was built to spec and above spec and yeah. it was at the time leading as a recording studio it was just a brilliant fit out, um, a brilliant sound and yeah. result of the silver chair. Al speaks volumes for it. Very giving with his time in that. He loved that engineering side of it, the mechanics behind it all too. So that property was fantastic. Yes, and you see with him now with obviously Ash and Moon there with some of the footage stuff mm. there, he's he's always twisting dials and yeah. manoeuvring, uh, yeah. you know, I think he'd probably be quite a, a handy producer at some point. I mean, he, it's interesting in his mm. career in, in LA, he's gone on to sort of record and write songs with Scott Whelan from Stone Temple Pilots. He's yep. been a bit of a gun for hire for bass stuff there that probably he hasn't sort of necessarily been credited for, but he's definitely um, found a sort of a niche for himself there, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah, I think uh, professionally and personally with his family. And, hmm. Yeah, he's having a bit of fun in La La Land, I think. And um, <laughs> I, I, I rate Gary up there well, probably equally. I, I, I ebb and flow between him and um, Adam Clayton. He's probably the, the two blokes that um, stand out from everybody else as far as uh, bass players go. Yeah. Um, both just both magicians. Quite a few there. Um, didn't I read or see that he actually makes bases now as well and sells them? He does, yeah. Yeah, he's made a few um, different uh, versions. He's, he's really getting back into all of that, yeah. Um, that that studio, mm. was that off Pete's Ridge? But yeah, so you're basically you're in the general vicinity for sure. Um, Central Coast. Yeah, I thought so. Up in Mangrove Mountain. So the, the studio was on his property where his house was. So he had this beautiful ranch-style open-plan uh, house that was basically set like it was in uh, Texas or Mexico, sort of the South American theme to it. It was just gorgeous. I, I found it back when he was um, married to Jody. Yeah, then he obviously sold that and, and whatever happened after that. But, uh, geez, it was a nice house. But you had a little story about um, Gary earlier when you showed me some photos of the two of you. I didn't even know where that was taken, actually. Oh, that might have been in the Enlightened Festival, I remember, in Canberra years ago. Because I basically was always the one holding the camera and I've taken that many photos and of people with the band and the band and on stage and whatever. I, I don't really and never did take any photos of me with any of them, really. I, and I sent you the photo today, B, of me and Gary backstage and um, got my arm around him and we're smiling and, and the, the, whoever took the photo was about to take the photo and I could just hear him whisper in my ear, what the hell are you doing getting the photo? And I went, I don't know. I, didn't, I don't know why we're getting the photo of you, so whatever, I just smiled. <laughs> and we did, yeah. So he's very dry. He's cool. Gary's awesome.
tell us a bit about Andrew, your dealings with Andrew, et cetera, there, you know, from proximity. From picking him up from, from home to go to the Arias or where, what are they driving him home from the show or talking to him about the website, you know, to try and get him to do a post on the message board or whatever. <laughs> um, he's, a, he's a guy that thinks about mm. everything he says before he says it. Very aware to make you feel comfortable and, and to strike up conversation when you're in his in his presence and in his company, whether it's in a car or a hotel room or whatever. No, he's lovely. He's very polite and, and quiet and um, just a humble Yeah, humble I man. got that from when we had him on the show. Yeah. I, I, I wish we'd given more room because he was a bit slow in coming and all everybody else was talking on top of him. We had four hours chatting to him, B. We had lots of, he had lots of room. <laughs> I know. I reckon we could have had eight. <laughs> I only saw Andrew. <laughs> Yeah, no, I was just going to say, I remember in Adelaide at that Le Mans show, I was talking about this. Any time I really saw Andrew get a little bit upset, and it was at oh. me. So oh. <laughs> we had two we had two cars, and basically I remember um, Tim and, and Gary and, and Kirk was in the back of my van, and Andrew was in the back of the other van. And essentially we couldn't find our way out of this track yeah. after the concert, and we were doing laps around the back <laughs> of the stage. Going, and all I remember pointing down the window was Andrew in the back window of the other van going, Get us the fuck out of this venture. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I'm sorry, Andrew. And I just remember Tim and, and Gary and at the back were just kissing themselves <laughs> laughing. We got we got out. I mean, it was all good. By the time we went back to the hotel, he came up and gave me a hug. So I'm really sorry. I should be out. <laughs> and I said, it's all good. Yeah, it's my fault. I used to get lost a lot. I, I get disorientated very easily. Just tell him to write a song about yeah. it, you know. Just tell him to write a song yeah. about it. Make Last it and run it. Yeah. <laughs> what, what about uh, Kirk? Tell us a bit about any, you know, you're, you're involved with Kirk and anecdotes that you might feel are good to oh, share. Kirk's, Kirk's just, uh, he's just cool. You know, he had nicknames and uh, on the on – the, uh, the Tim Rice tour, I think even my tour program, Kirk signed it too dark and because of an email that he sent oh, much previously to me and the autocorrect on the computer turned my name Darren into dark <laughs> and that's what he called me the whole tour. <laughs> so he's, and he even signed my uh, tour for dark. So that's the type of sense of humour. Kirk's unreal. Kirk's just uh, a oh. good man. So. Um, now, on that Tim Rice tour, he actually got up and sung vocals on one or two songs, yeah. didn't he? I was actually so, thinking about this in the car today, knowing I was going to talk to you guys tonight. So basically, the show was going to be recorded um, in the round, similar to what I think there was another show at the time that got recorded in the round. But essentially, that the, the TV broadcast deal was pulled and it never happened. So I had some footage digitised. I had a cassette tape and I recorded the rehearsals in Sydney and the show, actual show in Adelaide. By the time we got to Adelaide, we knew that the TV deal wasn't going to happen. So I had a crappy VHS camera and basically sat there side of stage and recorded the whole show. I've sent segments of it to um, mm. Tanya Doko and James Roche from Bachelor Girl. And I've sent copies of it over to mm. like, David Essex and things like that, just keep sake. It's not of any great quality, but I tell you, it's, again, something that, it's so cool that it even mm. exists. So, um, and yeah, it captures the only times on video that Kirk sings. That, that essentially, that show, from my memory, going to that David Essex had come over from the UK with Tanya Doko yeah. from Bachelor Girl. Um, there was the band themselves, and there's a yep. bunch, bunch of other things. That, yeah, Kate Sobrano, I was going to say, yeah. But then they, they were essentially like the house band for the night, weren't they, playing all of this material? Um, no, they only they only did the Jesus Christ Superstar stuff. 
Right, okay. They, there was only the, the four songs or so that they did with Kate Sobrano. The song called The Wake Up Call or something, wasn't there? The Wake Up Call. The one that Kirk sang? Uh, oh, it was... Yeah. It was he sang a, did he sing he sang yeah. a couple anyway maybe one, one or two it was but blue something I, th- I thought they played a little bit I thought they were <laughs> again it's 22 yeah. years ago but I, what was interesting was that two nights later they played the Miracle yeah. Lounge you know <laughs> well, during the tour yeah. ever, ever increasingly we noticed John Stevens turning up to the shows so we knew that they'd already right. been talking John had started coming to those gigs yes. and just hanging up stuff and but this was just a safe place they could do four songs yeah. on a night with Kate and get back on stage and get a feel for rehearsing and getting in the car. It wasn't the excess name yeah. risk. It wasn't any risk-taking. Correct. It was just a, a cool thing to It was, do. It was baby steps, yeah. really, wasn't yeah. it? it was to restore some confidence. Yeah. It was just time. It just needed time. You know, it might have taken ACDC eight weeks, but they took these guys eight years, and there's no comparison. <sighs> bad raps at the time that was really hurtful as a fan of the band and everything that was going on was you know just this dismissiveness of them trying to regenerate mm. their career on the basis of the fact that oh michael's gone and just this all or nothing approach yeah. to michael and that he's involved with there but what people forget was that in 1997 john was just mm. turned 36 yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know we have andrew who's had his birthday yesterday uh, andrew would have been turning 38 Gary was the oldest, probably 39. We had Tim at 37. I mean, they were in their yeah. late 30s, mid Not to late old. 30. Mm. Not old at all. They, they weren't ready to pack no. it up. Now, it was yeah. so no. hard. And nor should they. Mm. They, they worked their, their ass off to, to establish that brand. Yeah. And they did that as six. They didn't do it as yeah. a, a band that stood out there and bloody supported Michael. They, the six of them did it. Exactly. Yeah. Everybody was a critic. They never got a hall pass from yeah. the world media yeah, really to give did. them yeah. the chance to regenerate. They they were really condemned. They could, mm. they could have had Bowie and, and Bono and, and Robert Plant on yeah. stage, you know, all joining the band, and they still would have said, yeah, well, the vocals need a bit of work, you know. They, they really were hiding to nothing. But I think at least for the band, they scratched an itch that we will talk about later in other episodes where they were able to go and do some things that generated a lot of fan success like I, yeah. I actually saw more of in excess play without michael than with michael mm-hmm. i think i saw them eight nine times with michael and 18 times without him but they were able to sort of press especially from a mm-hmm. live point of view performance point of view really do a lot of great shows as much similarities that you may want to draw with john stevens i think there's equal argument in the opposite direction to say that i think john was was a, a good mold because john wasn't anyone like that you didn't know trying to be Michael. John Stevens was John Stevens from Noiseworks who is and and what he does is what he does already. So mm-hmm. if anyone then compared John Stevens yes. to Michael, yes. which never happened, it was just going to be a stupid comment because you go, well, why would John Stevens do that? It's John Stevens. He, he does what he does anyway. So I think when they went with John Stevens, mm-hmm. those comparisons didn't come because because of that, he was already established in Australian music history. You say that though, Darren. You'd say that because you're an Australian, but yeah. as, like globally, they still judge yeah, of course John they were because they didn't know who he was yeah. really. And, and you can talk about the eight years from Michael's passing to Switch and that that eight year period. The one argument would be it was just the time that the guys needed to get to that point, or mm-hmm. it was the time that the world needed to get past trying to bloody, you know, compare or throw to 
the walls anyone that they put up in front of them. So I think they become more accepting by the time JD come around and they did yeah, switch. I mean, I mean they're, they're, you know, the Hungry's on that, which was obviously a song they did with John. And uh, mm-hmm. by the time they got to that point, I think, uh, well, it was just time for everyone to move yeah. on. And yeah. yeah, I think they did. Was you at Matchbox 20? No, I didn't. I missed it. Yeah. Were you, Hayden? Were you there? Oh. No, I, I couldn't. Look, to be honest with you, when, when they got to Kieran and then they got to, you know, that level of tour, mm. I won't say my heart was broken, but my heart was broken. I'd invested in the sort of JD renaissance and things like that. Now, I still respected the band, loved the band, listened to the band all the time, essentially, but they were playing some venues and making mm. some choices to, you know, to support Matchbox 20, which I didn't agree with. I think in hindsight, as Andrew was alluded to, by yep. not playing anymore has probably helped the band's growth and playing and stuff like that, you know, especially since the miniseries and things as well, you know? I agree with you on that. But it just never sat well, the whole Matchbox 20 tour where they support. Like, what do you do? You don't support Matchbox 20. If anything, they should be supporting you. And you mm. just don't, and don't I'm do sure, that. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure they mm. would have wanted that, really, mm. but it just didn't. It didn't happen. Yeah, yeah, I don't it know. It was sort of, there's, a, there's a lot of loyalty between both of them, respect, I should say, yeah. between the both bands. Yeah. yeah, but but if you actually looked at the optics of just at all, like you're going, hmm. maybe in, America, in Australia yeah. supporting Matchbox 20? Like, come on, guys. Like, well, yeah, but who would prove that? Like, and I know Chris was there at the time or whatever there, and, you hmm. know, you know, the band came out and supported Rob Thomas on his tours and things like that, etc. But it's just, you know, if we all if we all can relate to going to yeah. a concert, you know, people are coming in whilst the support band are on. People aren't factoring, you know, mm. like, you know, they would have started the gig and half the stadium was full, you know, in whatever area. Now maybe that wasn't the case or whatever, but but on an optics level, you know, if we've got think back to Chris yeah. Murphy yeah. in eighty four where he was like, no, we're not going to support Bowie. You know, because, you know, we're not going to help you sell tickets. I, you know, I just look at that and go, they shouldn't have been out there supporting an international act in their own country. Flash forward two years later when everything blew up on the charts, if Tim didn't have his accent and whatever, Mm -hmm. they probably Mm -hmm. would have gone and done something more meaningful at that time if Tim was able to do it, you know. Let's just keep praying. I think there's um, still some stuff that's unwritten that's going to unfold over the next few years and these guys aren't done. You know, in my heart. There's more to come, I hope. That, that's a little, little, little nugget there that I think you might know something. No, not at all. But, you know, I found out something today yeah. as well uh, that uh, is a little nugget that we've been sworn to secrecy on. All we will say is that mm. there is going to be something released this year that is historical uh, and it's going to be something that pays homage to a past album. But what we will say to people, it is not going to be kick, thank God. Yay! <laughs> Yay! <laughs> But uh, there is a significant album in their career that's going to be, uh, let's just say, digitally re-enhanced. It's going to have some some stuff packaged with it, and we've got that from the horse's mouth, uh, so to speak, but we're not going to tell anybody who that is, are we? No, I haven't said anything. It's all come from you. We still haven't finished going through the band. You haven't given us a little anecdote on Tim or even Chris, actually. Oh, well. Tim gets a lot of good press. We yeah. won't talk about Tim. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, He's a press hog. No. <laughs> tell, tell us about his fish tank. <laughs> yeah. Well, I used to, when back a bit, lived in French's Forest, I just remember, oh, you'll see that video. I've, I've sent it to Tim. We did a snippet for a Christmas message where he's 
rocking out in your studio and he sort of turns around and says, hi, all you in excess people out there and, you know, in, on the internet. It was a really good message. It was just filming that. And he used to have uh, this massive fish tank in his studio. It was just full of piranhas. Um, <laughs> and you just look at the, the oxygen, buddy. Oxygen tubes running through the filter are all just half chewed, and it's like we've got to replace them every month, you know, because they just eat everything. And they were just phenomenal. Yeah, a couple of piranhas. So, oh, um, God. Yeah. It's so, so him, isn't it? So tell us a bit about your directions, Tim. Tim, obviously, is such a giving spirit, very mm-hmm. generous to us, but, you know, across yeah. the world and globally, you know, I think yeah. um, probably along with Kirk as well, no one's done more mm. to sell the band and get out yeah. there front and centre and things. What's your sort of, you know, personal experience with Tim that, you know, you could relate? Yeah, Tim and Kirk are just the workhorses behind uh, the media stuff and the promotion stuff and just out there uh, connecting with fans and uh, interviews and things like that. So, you you know, throughout the, the, the whole time, you, you could see whether it was in Rolling Stone or whatever interview, whatever magazine, it was quite often always Tim or Kirk or the two of them in those interviews most of the time. Um, they did that, that work. They were they're yeah. proud of what they are and, and what they've done, and rightly so. Tim Tim's a special man, but I love him. I, I love him. And we were even texting last night because we're both mad, manly, Warringah football tragics that <laughs> like to be on TV and, you know. We just got over the line last night by a point. It was just a horrendous game of football, but um, we'll take yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> Just got a message from him yes. after the game going, well, that was shit, but we'll take it. So, <laughs> yeah. No, I, know, I think Gary's Gary's another mad, a mad Manly fan, so I don't know. If, yeah, I don't is. know if he keeps yeah. up to date with so the, the boys from no, over there. No, he does. Yeah, I'm yeah, sure he, he does. does. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Gary always looked like he could be a good sort of you know uh, prop or linebacker in, uh, in NFL terms. He had the, the, the quite the solid yep. frame. I think he was a bit of a rugby fan in his youth. And yeah, play well, off. you remember on the X Factor tour, he was on stage. He used to wear the. New South Wales origin jersey when he was playing bass. Yeah, so well, remember on the well, the small welcome tour or gigs, he used to wear the sarong or whatever. Right, yeah. yeah, I saw him in some funny trousers the other day, like three quarter flary trousers. <laughs> I'm wondering well, who is looking after his wardrobe. God knows who. One for you, Darren. In 2001, Kirk, it just you yeah. reminded me, Kirk and Tim, who did a lot of media press, they went over to uh, America mm-hmm. and they had that, was it that Rhino release yeah. that was like the greatest, well, the very, well, the greatest, it's very best off, but it was a fantastic double yes. album. It's probably just as good as The Years. It's got a couple of extra songs yeah. on there that um, aren't yeah. on The Years yeah. there. And our collectors will know what we're talking mm-hmm. about here. Hello, Pedro and Dave. Mm-hmm. I just wondered whether, you know, through your correspondence overseas yep. and promo for that, I think I remember Kirk and Tim might have played some acoustic stuff together at Tower Records. That was actually um, like that. it was actually Kirk and Andrew went on that tour. Kirk and Andrew, and okay, they went sorry, to Canada, yes, um, to promote that. Right. And the album was actually called Shine Like It Does, the anthology. Yes. Um, so uh, yes. the years and Shine Like It Does, I worked worked heavily with both of them. They're both the best two things you'd want to get. If yeah. you wanted everything, like, yeah. to cover the collection, there's about five songs difference. I think one doesn't have By My mm. Side, one does, whatever. There's a couple of variations yeah. on things on them, but they are both two fantastic releases. Yeah. Um, yeah. Tell us a bit about your involvement in Shine Like It Does. Working with uh, Rhino, I remember her name, Emily Kagan, worked at Rhino at the time, and uh, Rhino's a division of Atlantic Records. Mm. And so, we, you know, Dave sort of had that thing going, and then... Basically, uh, I got handed the reins for 
you know, go around a Davos place and there used to be these massive black folders with just uh, the 35, 35 mil slides, you know, the old slides in them and they just had thousands of uh, images of the band yeah. from whatever era and so um, just had responsibility uh, for going through those to select what images are going to go in the booklet for showing like it does. The artwork, yeah. the front cover, I remember the promo items for it. There was a candle that, that came out as a promo item for that. Basically just dealt with, with Emily at Rhino in having these images scanned, uh, again, just on computer scanners to try to get them to a, a resolution that's okay to be sent because you were very restricted on uh, file size attachments to email back then to try and get stuff to America. Sure. Uh, I think we yeah. stopped short of, oh, look, we sent over some low-res stuff. These are the photos we want to use. I think we had to end up sending some of the books over there via post you know, box to them so that they could then uh, digitize them without losing any quality through yeah. email transition. Yeah. It's interesting. I'm just picking some things off the top of my mm. head. I'm so motivated that, you know, you got a story there and you're involved with it. And, you know, fantastic credit to you because Chris, when he was in the UK living there and he saw some of those, you know, compilation albums in the mid 2000s mm. that were certainly sort of just cobbled together. Yeah. He was quite critical of yeah. those. But I think the 2001, the one year with Rhino, you've got to be very proud yeah. of because it looks official, looks quality, and it was obviously, but it required sort of, you know, a, a fan and a, a person like yourself's eyes to make it look great. So credit to yeah, you. Yeah, thank you. The book, the booklet inside that is great. And there was some stuff in there yeah. that had never been seen before. Again, uh, I guess uh, if you look at the years and, um, and shine, I guess, with on the back of the biographies and everything I've really done, I guess there's a theme coming through there of chronology um, and history. I, I, both those album releases had two CDs and they were done in a way that was in order yes. of, of release yes. and it took you on that journey. And my OCD yeah, type same. of uh, tendencies, I love <laughs> yeah, that shit. Um, Absolutely. Because Some of these greatest hits, they skip from like the one thing to yes. disappear to heaven yeah. sent and you're all yeah. over all the shop. All over the place. <laughs> mm. yeah. yeah. And I don't know how they come up with a format of that running order. You know, they're all great songs, but, you know, you know, if you want to go on a bit of a journey from the band sonically from the start to the end, mm -hmm. you feel like that. And I guess for listeners, just to recap, there was the Shine Like It Does anthology collection, which was the very first absolute double album, deep dive, best, greatest hits, best of, a couple of deep tracks on there as well. And then you had The Years, which was 1979 to 97, which was sort of like, a, I guess, an extension with a slight variation of some songs there, more of the official one that came out of Australia. Mm. And then I think in the UK they did the yeah, definitive right. and then in America they did the very best of or something like that, didn't yeah. they? Essentially the same cover, uh, the definitive in excess yeah. was the same cover, but that was the release outside of Australia and the years was the Australia. Yes. So I, I remember that spending quite a lot of time at the top of the charts when that came out and it sold really well. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. that did justice to their overall career and it's and it's weird in a way that the very best of, the one that sold all of these recent CDs in Australia that we brag mm. about, it's gone diamond or yeah. seven, eight times platinum. It's still not a total comprehensive no. thing of their no, album. It's, it's about 20-something songs. And it's half, it, half a record. You know? Yeah. It is. Yeah. Yeah. It is. Yes. Yeah. Coming home. We, we would love to have you on as many times as you would love to come on because Let's we've only it. scratched the surface and uh, I know. I know. there's nothing like talking about it. There's nothing like talking about <laughs> NXTS, is there, everybody? It's a good mate to have, isn't he, hey? See, if we all get hit by cars, Darren's our new co-host, okay? So I'll, I'll leave that in my will and testimony. <laughs> That'll do. Let's hope that doesn't happen, God. <laughs> no, no, touch wood. So 
Tell us about, you know, if you could think back to upbeat two of your favourite two or three in excess experiences, et cetera, there, because you've had a journey with the band that I haven't. You've had an experience with the band I haven't. You've probably been to more gigs and concerts and been yep. up close and personal. But think back to your fandom yep. and stuff like yep. that. What are the, the two or three great fan experiences that you look back on with absolute joy and glee? Yeah. Uh, concert for Life uh, definitely is in the top three. Yep. Then the Get Out of the House tour, I thoroughly enjoyed that. I And I remember... Yep seeing the guys two nights in a row and it's still I've got the poster I've got the ticket I've still got the guitar pick Tim gave me at Sydney at the <laughs> at the refectory at Sydney University on that tour yeah I'm looking at it right now still got Tim's very first <laughs> pick occasion anyway that concert at Sydney University was unbelievable I was in the front obviously row in front of Tim and it got to the last song there was these massive Marshall stacks Michael would just see on the Marshall stacks throwing fruit out, yep. drinking champagne. Um, and it got to Don't Change. And everybody knows Tim's famous uh, silver and gold guitar. We started Don't Change. I was standing in front of him and he just looked at me as the uh, as about to start <laughs> and he held the guitar in front of me with the chord and I just reached up and, and did the strum and did this <laughs> intro to Don't Change. It was fantastic. Fantastic. Yay. But that flowed yeah. to the next night. So, I mean, I was actually exhausted, but we travelled out to Temptations at Mount Jewel the following show for the next night. Um, I was shattered um, physically <laughs> uh, just from being in the front row. It was exhausting. And I just remember that show uh, standing in front of Tim. I was like, I wasn't going to the bar. And he just sort of pointed at me. From then on, he had a case of VB to his side. And, mm-hmm. and he would just hand me a, a VB so I'd stand there and have my beer so I didn't have to go to the bar oh. and hand him back the empties in between songs. Everyone was just looking at me going, who the, the fuck are you? you? I went, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it was just good. So um, there's been so many. There's so many. I could oh, talk for hours. I'll bore the shit out of everybody. No, and we like, couldn't get yeah. bored either. <laughs> guess you've been on a very unique journey, uh, one that, we would love to, you know, I said, maybe tackle, you know, yep. one or two themes per episode next time. We, yeah. we might be say, listen, okay, take us into the world of the Get Out of the House Tour. Mm-hmm. Take us into the world of, of yep. your times on the Just for Kicks Tour. We might better sort of sure. dive deep. And you've got plenty of great archival footage by the sounds of it that can, yeah. you know, seem like you've got good memory uh, yep. of everything, but you've got great digital memories too, haven't yeah. you? Because he's a bit younger well, than us, I think. Yeah, I've got draw, just drawers of photos that are in packs that you used to pick up from Kmart, you know, that's how we <laughs> yeah. used to process them. The, uh, I mean, you probably want to thank Darren as well because um, you've, you've been very kind, uh, Darren, in sharing with B and giving out uh, the Decadence mm. uh, uh, album for us. B, do you want to just uh, reiterate what uh, Darren's done there for us? Well, he's given us two things. He's given us the cassette tape. Well, the Decadence cassette is obviously from the swing. Back, back in the day, there's actually six different versions of that cassette tape. And if you have all six, when you put them together, it makes the cover of the swing album. And they're a yeah. motor, promo, flip-top, cigarette case sort of thing. The, the yeah. Decadance promo vinyl is different to Decadance American release or dance, the NXS dance records. The Decadance yeah. uh, promo was only 250 of them made um, ever, um, and they're one of the most collectible things. So um, yes. I have that. I'm looking at it right now. still here. I will post it. Yeah. Um, we have yeah. that as well for you guys to give away. It's uh, a significant piece of history. We're not giving that one away, don't you worry. That one's going to auction. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to make people work for that one. <laughs> yeah, we make, make sure this podcast keeps going for another 100 episodes. That's right. And, uh, and to respond to Kirk and Tim's message, yes, we have got enough crap for another 100 episodes. <laughs> I think yeah. we've got enough crap to keep going forever the way we lot are talking. Yeah. 
yeah. Oh, it's been fun, the three of us. We should do this a lot more often. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. I want to say congratulations uh, to both of you for doing something that, uh, for even for me, I didn't see that coming. I'm not much into technical side of things as I get older, but a podcast was, well, duh, now you look at 100 episodes and you go, well, that, what, yeah. that was obvious and no one years did it. It's great. Yeah. No, I, I think the format and what you do is is good because the two of you are um, playing the same guitar. It's a really, <laughs> in, not in opposition. I don't but, think we're even holding it at the same time either. But at, by the end, of the, <laughs> the end of the show, it's always sort of back at the – back at the same road, you're back on the same path. And I think you complement each other very well. Um, and I think it's only going to get better and, and bigger and deeper. And you guys rock. It's really cool. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank, thank you very much. Thank and um, much. look, one of the, the joys of this is, as I said, many people like yourself who are intrinsic to the band, you know, you know, not just the band themselves. I mean, we we didn't get a band member onto about episode yeah. 72 yeah. or something like that. Um, but it's people like yourself that do take us back in time. One thing we we are obviously facing is that the band aren't a touring mm-hmm. entity anymore. They're not really sort of out there recording, no. releasing albums. So this is a sort of a uh, an historical mm-hmm. compendium of their career from sort of the start ultimately yeah. to a finishing point. And it's people like yourself who were there living it, eating and breathing were witness to a lot of these things that occurred that give it a factuality, which is what we want to do. Mm-hmm. And there, yeah. there have been some... It's to- important to document. Yeah, and there have been some topics that have gone to some controversial areas and especially in regards to band management and transitions and things like that, that I would mm. be keen to talk to you about. And, and and they aren't necessarily the most popular topics and they have been probably controversial mm. in some ways when Chris did leave and other people got involved and Rockstar and stuff like that. And, you know, we're not into, you know, casting aspersions on people's contributions, but we want a factual account or a, or a people who were there at the time who could see things happen from cause and effect. Because, you know, we've done some episodes where, you know, it hasn't necessarily been peaches and cream, but this is where they're at at yeah. the time. This is what occurred. And, um, you know, I know that you probably saw a lot of stuff during those tough years for the band that mm. ultimately, um, you know, you're a witness to, and we're not there yeah. to say pinpoint negatives on anyone, but we'd love to know the facts of why things happen because the average listener just mm. didn't know in those days, you know, we didn't know what was going oh, on. Look, it's, it's hard work. It's hard work. And the journey um, after Michael's passing was tough on them yep. more than anyone else. But I just think everyone personally through a, a tragic event or whatever it is, uh, not necessarily music or a band or anything, but just generally in life, um, everyone's journey is not always, you know, sitting in the back of a, a, a Porsche riding, you know, riding around drinking champagne. No. You have hard times in life and you have lows and you have struggles and you have arguments. That's that's dealing with family, friends. Yeah. We'll probably do an episode comparing, you know, the the Queen versus In Excess experience. I mean, Queen effectively have been a two-man act mm. of the four band members. They've had the drummer and they've had Brian. Yeah. But John Deacon, who arguably wrote their four biggest hits, hasn't mm. toured with them since sort of 97, 98. Yeah. Um, he's been out of the band for over 20 years, I think, roughly, maybe, you know, yeah. you know, yeah. could be less, slightly less, but good 20 years. And they've had mm. essentially, you know, uh, session players play yeah. and they've had, you know, Paul Rogers originally as yeah. a sort of a That's singer right. and they've had Adam Lambert come in. But mm. they probably were given more of a hall pass, mm. <laughs> you know, yes. in terms of public acceptance of things, um, mm. probably because they had, yeah, probably because they had yeah. the sort of the second superstar up the front, which was Brian's guitar. I always yeah. felt that. Yeah. 
in excess, yeah. you know, weren't elevated. Like we love Tim and all the band members there. And they, I mean, Andrew was, if Andrew had sort of the more outgoing personality yes. to be an Angus Young, you yeah. know, that's how Angus survived. Well, well, I know what you're saying. It's sort of like you too. You two, it's it's Bono and the yeah. Edge, you know, yeah. As if, much as if, if, if the Edge went, they were, you know they had Bono and and you got Mick and Keith, you know, and yeah. But they would necessarily be if they were actually not the two of them. If they weren't a duo out front, if like I think if Bono was out front of you two without an Edge, he wouldn't be as good on his own. No. So they they do complement each other. Absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on. I am so honoured to be part of episode 100, let alone just part of this at all. I'm thrilled. I'm absolutely very humble. Thank you. I thought it was very fitting to have you on today and we're very honoured. No, I look forward to some funny chats and some good stuff getting pumped (laughs) out of episode 200. Thank you very much, Darren. Take care, guys. Okay. Good night. Good night. And this is Manny from the UK. This is Lisa Mack from Brisbane, Australia. And this is Felicia from Everett, Washington, USA. And that's a wrap. All right, B, that was a wrap. Uh, great to hear from Darren again and chock full of insights and anecdotes, eh? Absolutely. It's really good to see how close he got to the band and some of those um, stories, especially with GGB. He was quite close to him, hey? Yes, yes. Yeah. I got an image yeah. of him in the car, at least put up on the dashboard, having a snooze and <laughs> getting earbuds by Darren all the way home. But, uh, yeah, the Mangrove Studios. <laughs> and, and, and Andrew that. getting pissed off as well. That was quite funny. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> I must mention from last week, though, um, I did find some footage of the Terence Dar rehearsals right. we put that onto the social so you can listen to the whole lot because okay. there's about an hour's recording right. of audio okay. with Terence and I've referenced this before but there's a little bit with Terence I don't know he's, they say he's joking but I don't know how much truth it is but he goes oh um this is going to be my one and only show I can't do any more because um, my manager wants triple money and they all go and he goes, ha, 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 ha. Right, like, okay. Is that right or wrong? Well, Ter- Terence uh, has changed his name. He's living in Italy. He's He's gone off on a bit of a different planet, planet and things like that. And I've, I've listened to a podcast where he's chatting to, I think it's John Lamoureux, and I think there's another one uh, with Rock Solid as well, the guys there. And and even David Wilde, famous journal in America, talks about his relationship with Terence when he first moved, moved from New York to LA and Terence and him were buddies, but Terence sort of went up on tangent. So uh, Terence, you know, dances to, uh, you know, the uh, sound of his own drum a little bit, I think. Um, so wouldn't surprise me if there was an element of truth in that, B. I wouldn't mind getting him on, though, if we can. Might have to talk to John about that. Oh, well, we'll see. It, you know, as well, like listening to Terence with um, In Excess Music, it was such a bloody good fit. Really good. It was it, a, soulful, a soulful voice. Really, really, you don't well, get it. No. Nick Egan was very much thought he was the black Michael Hutchins, didn't he, when when he spoke, oh. you know, et cetera yeah. there. So who's to say who was to know? But, um, look, yeah. band engagement, B, we've probably had an inundation this last week with so many different people and different, uh, you know, thank yous and things. Uh, was anything uh, sort of standout issue or any particular people you want to reference here? 
Well, first of all, Twitter, we're going off. We've had another 200 followers on Twitter. So hello to all you guys. It's really good fun to actually inter interact with you. want to give a big up to Kaz, Lisa and Mick. Um, you are absolute legends and your mate who wouldn't shut up. He was quite funny. Um, he was a salesman. Uh, and there was two other people. I forgot your names and you're so loved up and you're really into Pearl Jam. And I loved you too, too. And I think you're going to be listening. But I've got a bit of a thing to tell everybody from Mary Woods. Okay. So listen up. Are you ready? Yep. This is a new one for you, too. Okay. Calling all nations. Due to moving, building a house and everything going into storage, I have packed away the few remaining vintage in excess items so that the future fans can acquire the remaining fan kits, art prints, signs and photos. Please continue to support the in excess Access All Areas podcast with Ian Hayden and don't forget to vote in excess into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Thanks so much for all the support. It's been so much fun. Love, Mary. So the fan kits have gone into storage. No one can get any. But I have five in my... No, I haven't got five anymore. I think I've only got about three. Right. So I have got three left. So if anybody wants them, you contact me personally yep. and I can get them to you. With these fan kits, also we want to mention that there's actually a really rare recording of In Excess as well that's not been heard by anybody else. So even if you just don't want those, the, the recording is worth a lot because a lot of people have been getting in touch with us. You probably saw those emails yeah. asking if they could just buy that. Mary says no. no. It's it, it, you have to buy the whole kit right. because okay. it's not fair on everybody else. Okay. Yes. All right. Uh, in terms of competitions, B, this is very exciting Ooh. today. We are going to be yes. drawing out of the famous hat or penguin or dolphin. Are. Okay. We're going to be drawing out. Uh, uh, how many winners are there? One or two? One. one. Okay. There's only one cassette. Right. Okay. You got the cassette in front of you. I have. All right, it's a little decadence uh, remix from the swing. Absolute do you, mint condition. Do you know which character it is in the band or which artist? Or which, uh, no band? idea. You have to just no move it back idea. like a magic eye and squint. I can't see that. No, exactly. <laughs> no, I, I don't think know. It's I think it's Kirk. I think I see some glasses. Kirk? Yeah, turn it upside down the other way. Turn it up the other way. Oh, oh, it's, oh. See, can you see the glasses? Oh, I see. Yeah. Yes. I never thought to turn it upside down. <laughs> oh, well done, you. There you go. Okay, so it's correct. Okay, so there was an email, one that we got emailed to us about a name, and it was M. Pelland H, I think it was. And you're not a patron, sweetheart, but, um, yeah, very nice of you to um, enter the competition yeah. and get all of them right, but you can't enter. So sorry about that. There was a few duff ones, so just off. So, um, yeah. Okay, tell me when to stop. I'm not going to look. Start. Draw the winner. Fast game's a good game. Oh, <laughs> you read it out. Oh, my God. It's our newest patron, Jenny Hall. It is. <laughs> and do you know what? She only emailed us last minute as well. Right. So well done, Now, Jenny. I can tell everybody for the eyes of legitimacy, I have seen B rummage around and mix a whole bunch of things up. So it is very legitimate. So well done, Jenny. Okay, first week of Patreon, now you're winning a competition. I can hear yeah. the jealousy from everybody else <laughs> through the through the, uh, the earphones. But congrats. <laughs> yeah, well done. 
And if you are interested to knowing the answers to those questions, then visit our website, which is inaccessaccessallareas.com. All right. Now, B, just moving along a little bit, because I know we are very excited next week. We're going to be unpacking Full Moon Dirty Hearts, the album review, which is sort of our review that we do of the album uh, between us. And we're going to track down sort of the history of the album, uh, you know, the uh, cultural relevance of the uh, of the album, singles release, stats, uh, the songs themselves, our views. Uh, and does it stack up, you know, 29 years later since uh, its release? So we will do our traditional deep dive into Full Moon Dirty Hearts in episode 102 next week. Uh, and we will also be very much excited to have the producer of that album uh, coming up within the week or two after that, which is Mark Opitz, who has said he would love to come on and talk a little bit about the production and the recording of that in the Isle of Capri uh, at a very, very uh, interesting part of their career. So looking forward to sharing that with you, B. Yes, I can't wait for that one too. All right, now, B, closing song today. We're not quite up to this album yet in terms of our chronology, but it, given that it is 25 years since the anniversary and it is a bit of a fan favourite amongst a lot of our patrons and peers, we thought we would go out today with a very, very uh, simple tribute song to Elegantly Wasted, the title track, which is Elegantly Wasted itself. And we're going to play this thing out to our audience today, B, and hope that you get a, a lot of love for this particular track some years after it was released and it is their sort of celebration. Now, B, I don't know if you're going out with a live version or an album version, but ever which one you're doing uh, that you ultimately lay down, uh, we will enjoy and embrace. And I'll say it's a goodbye from me. And I'm so glad you all enjoyed last week's um, music as well. And it's a goodbye from B. Bye. Bye. And a massive congratulations to In Excess with their 500 weeks in the ARIA charts. Well done, lads. Thank you.